Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to another episode of Post Loons. Uh, I'm your host, Jacob Schneider, on vacation in Florida, not at a snowy Allianz field. And I'm joined today by my co-host and colleague and good friend, uh, Mr. Eli Hoff. Eli, how you doing, man? Doing well, Jacob. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. I am in uh, not as warm location as you, though my day here in Missouri was full of rain, not snow. So who am I to complain? Yeah, you know, for those of you who don't know, I've uh, endured a like, 36-hour travel session from Minnesota to Florida. Uh, so, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's not judge, you know, with uh, the hat and the, the, the Hawaiian t-shirt vibe, you know. We're just, we're just here on vacation watching some soccer and having some fun. They're calling you the Beach Boy. Yeah, Beach Boy. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, folks, welcome to another episode of Post Loons, Minnesota United versus New York Red Bulls. 1-1 final score, the 2023 Snowpinner at Allianz Field. Uh, Eli, let me get your initial thoughts on the result. Is it uh, a positive for Minnesota, a positive for the Red Bulls, negatives on either sides? What's your takeaway? Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a result you have to be happy with. Um, you know, you go into any game where you look at what that field looked like when the game started here. That's, you know, penalty areas free except for some miscellaneous snow chunks. Also, other random parts of the fields sort of free of snow and others very covered in snow. Like, it was just, it was always going to be a chaotic game. And, uh, and, the, and the Red Bulls tactical setup is one that sort of engineers that chaos. If you remember that from last year and that sort of press that they would run. Um, I, I think chaos was always going to be the outcome here. And we also, you know, we have to be realistic about what Minnesota United is right now without Emmanuel Reynoso. So I, I think coming into this game, if you would have said 1-1 draw with, with some quality moments, cool. That's a, that's a result that, that you're fine with. Um, it could have been better. It could have been worse. And and that's kind of the the epitome of a 1-1 draw for me. All right, folks. Uh, you heard from Eli just now. Uh, before we get into the show now, re- reminder, subscribe, like, share on social media as you're watching right now. If you're on Twitter, retweet it, share it with a friend, send it to your group chat. If you're watching on YouTube, share it with friends. If you're watching on Facebook, give it a share as well. And uh, a general reminder, if you are watching on Twitter, you will not be able to send us comments. We will not be able to see, unfortunately, uh, due to StreamYard. However, if you'd like to send us a question throughout the show, feel free to join the streams on YouTube or on Facebook or uh, tweet at Eli or I, myself, uh, and we'll be able to get those uh, on air over the show over the next 30, 45 minutes, however long we run. Um, So thanks again. Reminder, subscribe, leave a thumbs up, you know, give us uh, all the support you can. Um, so Eli, you know, like you just said, it's it's a good result for Minnesota. It's a good result for the Red Bulls. Lewins have not lost uh, through two matches this season. Red Bulls scored their first goal of the campaign. You know, uh, Vanziers slowly making his way onto the pitch. He's their big money signing this offseason. Uh, John Tolkien looks to be the big part, you know. He's due for a big European payday uh, this summer. So I think, you know, it's a fair result for both sides. I think, you know, there's a little bit left on the table for Minnesota simply because it's a home match. But all in all, I think, you know, given the fact that uh, you've got two Western conference or two, two competitive uh, conference teams going at it, I think, uh, I think it's a fair result. You know, and, and my, first, uh, my first big point I wanted to talk about today was anticipation and how teams anticipated things. You know, the weather, you know, players had to adjust their studs, the, their boots. They couldn't, you know, come into today with just regular boots. They had to. Uh, adjust for the temperature, for the pitch, for the for the snow, for the way the ball was going to be kicked, for the uh, how soft the turf was, you know. And I think um, we we didn't see a ton of slipping out there after the first 10, 15 minutes. Players really started to find their feet. Players really started to uh, adjust to you know what the circumstances were, you know. And uh, my biggest takeaways from anticipation were Bongo Kulik Longwane on the opener for Minnesota. I mean, 
Mickey Tapias's header, how often is a player going to look at that position himself and say, all right, I can pounce on it right away. Um, you know, it's fantastic. And then Dan St. Clair was great in net. Um, his defense let him down a lot tonight, um, especially the partnership between Kimar Lawrence and uh, uh, Mickey Tapias, I think. Uh, but, um, you know, he was fantastic. And then, you know, they just adjusted when they needed to. And, you know, they got a draw. They got a result. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm inclined to agree with that, especially um, what I was was really hoping to key in on early on here was what that center back partnership looked like of how Tapia suggested with Boxall and how that kind of evolved from the Dallas game. Um, but but really, it was it was impossible to evaluate the dynamic because within the first five minutes, um, Tapia, to his credit, you know, this this may have been the first time he ever played in snow. I, I really think it had to have been um, because he just he, he looked like he was playing on ice and, and was afraid to, to turn his hips, which is obviously a really, really vital part of playing center back is being able to pivot your hips quickly. Um, and, and that led to some of those those, you know, Lewis Morgan chances in the first three minutes. Um, and to his credit, he settled in. I don't know if somebody told him, look, you've got the cleats, trust the cleats and, and plant your feet. Um, but but so there was there was a lot of adjustment there early on to to become more comfortable with this kind of snowy landscape that you have to give players credit for. Just because this team is from Minnesota does not mean they practice in snow on the regulars. You can attest, Jacob, you're a regular over at the NSC. Um, you know, snow is always going to throw you off, even if you're a, a, a top level professional athlete. And for these for these center backs who are not the most mobile of individuals, that's that's really going to be a challenge because that's a huge advantage for attackers. So I was really impressed by some of just the like existing and playing soccer in the snow adjustments that happened within those first 10 minutes. It went from this could be really, really bad to, oh, actually, this is this is moderately competent very quickly, which is you know, credit to those guys. And we got, you know, we got orange ball, the orange ball out there, the famed uh, hashtag orange ball watch on Twitter uh, made an appearance today. Um, I did struggle at first, though, with the Loon's white kits uh, against the snow, um, despite yeah. the Aurora, um, the, uh, the the design on the front. Um, maybe not the best choice, but you know, you got to debut your new kit at home in front of 20,000 fans uh, on a snow opener. I mean, take what you can get. But Eli, yeah. one of the one of the things you wanted to talk about too was set piece design and uh, yeah. watching the runs, the positioning, the way things pay off. Can you uh, can you talk to me a little bit about that today? Because both the goals we saw scored uh, respectively from each side came off of set pieces. Yeah, uh, obviously this is a game that again, if you look at the fact that both goals were scored off of corners, you're inclined to say, "Wow, this was a big set piece game." Uh, but, but really, I encourage everyone tuning in here to go back and watch all the different angles of both goals scored because they were master classes in set piece design. Uh, there are times where set pieces are just, you know, cross comes in, somebody jumps higher than somebody else and it gets knocked in. And, you know, that is what it is. This wasn't the case at all. You look at Minnesota United's goal uh, where Bongi's positioning was. He was immaculate. The spot that he stood in, he actually was able. So he, he parked himself about two yards in front of the goalkeeper, managed to stay onside in that because Red Bulls had guys right on the goal line. So he stayed on side, but was still able to interfere with the goalkeeper's line of sight. That forced a rebound save off the first one, and then he was able to score from point blank there. Having Bongi positioned right there is something that isn't going to pay off every corner, but this was the this was exactly why you put somebody in that position, and he did the right, right job of staying on side there and just being alert and ready. He actually might have even deflected the first header enough to kind of force that uncomfortable save. So that was huge on Minnesota's set-piece design. The Red Bulls... On, on the corner they scored on also exhibited really good set piece design. If you watch um, Reyes, who, who scores that, actually lines up in a similar spot to where Bongi was, but he's actually coming back towards the ball, coming back towards the penalty spot. And what he does there, he does it late enough, and it's snow, it's not great traction. Curvin Ariaga is supposed to be marking Reyes. And Reyes has a step on Curvin Ariaga, 
And then when he jumps, he kind of twists around Valentine, actually, who's already in the air. And so Ariaga has no chance of catching up. He, he gets screened off by Reyes. And so Reyes created for himself a clean header here. And in that sort of run, whether that was planned or that was something he just did coming back to the ball, is is really, really impressive set piece design. It's almost impossible to mark, especially with the field conditions being what they were. Uh, I, I came away from today really, really impressed by what both teams are doing off set pieces. And even, even the throw-ins. We saw long throws from Valentin, which is a, a really huge thing when those can happen in the box. And, uh, and, and towards the end of the game, there was one throw-in where uh, one of the, the side cams cut to Valentin after it had gone out for a throw-in in Minnesota's attacking third. It was a, a Red Bulls throw. He was doing this signal. Um, and you can see immediately that clearly meant for Minnesota to mark up and man mark right there. And that actually that actually led to them winning the ball. And it led to that Tani shot that was not the greatest shot in the world. But, um, you know, it was a quick win of possession in the attacking third. Um, so really, really impressive set piece design from both teams. But but a victory there, I think, for Minnesota with uh, with some of the potential going forward with these designs. Uh, so we've got a comment from a viewer, you know, Dave Valensky. Uh, Dave, thanks for uh... Uh, joining the stream and sharing your thoughts here. Uh, talking on Boxy today, he said uh, he was almost like a statue in some moments. He struggled uh, both in the air and uh, with, with Lewis Morgan in particular. Um, Lewis Morgan was an absolute menace today, and the fact that he didn't come away with the goal uh, is criminal. Uh, I'm a big fan of Lewis Morgan. I think he's a brilliant player. I think uh, the Red Bulls have a real talent on their hands with him, and you know he, he he's, he's ruthless when he gets on the ball. But um, he, he carved us and Boxel up in the first half. I mean, I think there were six total chances simply created by Morgan uh, carving Lawrence, Tapias, and uh, Boxel throughout the match. So, I mean, it's a tough. It was a tough game for a lot of people. You got to look at the weather as a factor. Got to look at the. So there's a language barrier between Boxel and Tapias, and there's also the fact that Valentin and Boxel are, are relatively new partners as well. You know, Boxel's the mainstay there, but the two people next to him are relatively new partners. So I think that needs to be taken into context. Um, but, uh, you know, if you want to leave a comment like Dave, uh, hopping over to the YouTube or Facebook streams and uh, comment the way. You can't do it on Twitter, unfortunately. But if you are on Twitter watching and you would like to comment, uh, at Eli or myself with our Twitter handles below our names here and uh, send us a question. And uh, we'll hopefully uh, be able to read it on air here. But Eli, my second point on the day was talking um, on attacking depth. Um, Tony Olawashe, you know, I, I'm really happy to start starting to see him, you know, earn first team minutes and starting to see more from him. I think there's a lot of potential, but he's not a player you're going to bring off the bench that wins you go, wins you games. You know, look at the LA Galaxy, for example. Their starting striker is Javier Chicharito Hernandez. All right, when Chicharito's injured, like right now, they've got Dejan Jovalic in place of him. All right, Jovalic is an incredible striker. He... You know, he comes on, he wins you games off the bench, all right? You know, Minnesota doesn't have that. You know, I look to, you know, competitors across the Western Conference. They've got players on their bench who aren't 19, 20, 21, 22 years old uh, trying to come in and make a difference. You know, they're proven veterans. They're proven, you know, uh, players who can come in and, and make a difference. You know, the only option Minnesota has off the bench is either Garcia or Amaria as, you know, a quote-unquote proven option uh, in their attack. So, you know, hopefully that changes soon. Hopefully they get some depth coming in. Um, it's just a short topic. You know, they can't rely on this. You know, it's not sustainable. They're going to have to start making changes and they're going to have to start, uh, you know, bringing in players and whether, you know, the rumored uh, U22 South Korean set to join the club is, is, is set to join, you know, that still doesn't change a lot because it's a relatively unproven kid. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a struggling time for them without, uh, 
you know, their talisman, Emmanuel Reynoso, and, uh, you know, veteran leadership coming off the bench in the attack. Um, for you, though, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say, I, I think one of the things we have to look at with this attack is, is going into any game, right? You have to look at, okay, where are the goals going to come from, right? Assuming that, you know, you'd ideally like to score at least one goal, probably more like two or three, right? And, and where, you know, how, how does this attack going to on a consistent basis, let's just say on every game produce two goals, right? If that's, if that's kind of the metric you want to say. Um, I, I don't know where those goal creators are right now. Uh, you know, Emmanuel Reynos is an obvious goal creator, and, you know, who knows what, what ends up happening there. But, you know, Mender Garcia, to his, his credit, is is great at what he does is that advanced forward who can get in behind. Um, but that just, that just hasn't worked so far for this team. And so having options, having plan Bs that can, that can you know, that you can go to, that, that's part of the depth as well as not just the physical talent, but, but from a game plan perspective, you know, who are you bringing in? How are they changing the game? How are they changing the math or the defense? Uh, that I, I don't see a, a huge abundance of options to really influence the game there. It mostly seems about like matching positionality right now, and uh, and and I don't know if that's enough to sustain over the course of a season. And you wanted to talk about uh, the midfield today too. Kervin uh, Ariaga was brilliant. I thought uh, Will Trap uh, unexpectedly came into play. Um, speaking with him early in the week, I really didn't think he was set to feature today, um, just due to the uh, the swelling around his rib. Uh, that it's rib four where the edema is, and that rib. Is surrounding your heart and he was non-contact up until friday um from what i've been told so i'm surprised to see him out there but uh we'll we'll have a good, good cameo and then i thought asani dodson was really good but uh you know expand on that what were your thoughts on the midfield performance today and you know who highlighted uh who was a highlighted performance for you yeah well real quick there a comment we got in from from eric grady about lud passing up a shot at the end yeah it was an interesting performance from from robin lud um I, I was sort of surprised by that. If you look at his uh, his his heat map of where his positioning was, he actually played as almost like a left central mid most of the game. Uh, so that that was it was really interesting. I'll have to go back and see a little bit of what he did because I think there's there's something to unpack there. Um, but on the central midfield, I think you were right, Jacob. I was really impressed by Will Trapp. Um, I, I'd expected him to actually you know not put in a strong performance given he has a rib injury and that seems like the sort of thing that would probably be painful in a, in a soccer game. Uh, but came in and, and really provided a lot of control when this game needed it in those kind of first, you know, evolving from that like 10 to 30 minute mark when it was really about control. Will Trapp was really instrumental in, in getting the game under there. Um, and, and like you said, Hassani Dotson, uh, this was actually, I think, one of the best Hassani Dotson impact substitutions we've seen ever. And in the way he came in, the confidence he came in with, the way he changed the game, uh, playing as a true eight. Um, those who've, who've listened to me talk about this, you know, for a while, and I know that I've been skeptical uh, of sort of what he brings to this attack. I thought he brought a lot to this attack as an eight as the kind of crash guy, the guy making the second run, um, and that he's putting, you know, getting touches in the box and putting pressure there and not just letting it rip from 30 yards out. He can do that. That's great. Bangers only. I'm all for it. But you also have to get touches in the 18-yard box and sort of uh, punish and, and, and strain the defense, and that's what he brought a lot of tonight. But uh, those who've also listened for a long time know that, that you know, the Kervin Ariaga hype train, I'm, I've been all aboard from day one on that, and he, he only continued to prove that tonight. He, he really did. Putting in the whole shift there, playing both, you know, well in defense. Uh, there was a, a moment, I think it was around 40th minute, that was a counterattack. That this was still when it was a very snowy pitch. And Curvin's coming from behind, manages to catch up on the counter and get a slide tackle in the snow. That's just insane defensive timing that he puts in, and his, yeah. his distribution was immaculate. I have down, I have passing accuracy numbers. Again, this was a snowy game. It was, uh, it was absolutely, absolutely horrible. And, Jacob, I'm jumping into my third thing here because this is connected. Go ahead, go ahead, Eli, uh, go ahead. 
but passing accuracy was something I wanted to watch tonight. Because again, messy pitch, you know, it's an outlier. It's an outlier. Um, but Kervin Ariaga had 71% passing accuracy, which again, you know, you think, okay, 70%, like that's not that great. That's a C minus, you know, but again, it's a snow game. It's very good. Now to put this in context for you, that led to Minnesota United. Kervin Ariaga was the best passer on the pitch as a central midfielder attempting a lot of volume here. Uh, Valentin was at 21% passing completion. Not good. Dane St. Clair was at 16% pass completion. Dane was 3 for 23 on long balls, which I think is something to watch going forward, goalkeeper distribution just being a big deal. Um, but in, in case you were wondering how impressive a performance Kervin put in tonight, you know, again, it was his guy who scored on the goal. He's not going to get another team of the week performance. But he was. I, I will make the case that he was Minnesota United's best player on the pitch tonight because he completed 71% of his passes in a snow game as a central midfielder who doesn't attempt you know, these, these were not dump-offs going backwards to Michael Boxell. These were advancing the ball, forward-minded, attack-minded passes. Uh, I, I came away just just so, so impressed with his performance. I think my uh, my players in the matches would have been uh, um, either Ariaga or uh, Longwane. Uh, Bongi Dino, as we like to call him over here at Soda Soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, Bongi had a phenomenal uh, first half. I thought he made made incredible runs. I thought his work rate was really good. He put pressure on the keeper, put pressure uh, on um, uh, fullbacks in the corners. I think, you know, they, I, he didn't make John Tolkien stand out. With, in, in a normal match, John Tolkien is a standout player. And I think mm-hmm. that enough says it right there because, you know, you've got a five, eight million dollar transfer for a U.S. international coming this summer. And when he shut down like that, even with the weather, I think, you know, you have to look at the performance that Longwane put in, and you know the goal adds to it. But take the goal away, he was still very, very um, effective this evening, um, and I think he brought the best out of uh, Mender Garcia as well. So you know, not not a great e- evening from Garcia or uh, Maria off the bench, but uh, Longwane uh, was 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 very good. I was very impressed. Um, so my my third piece was actually jumping into you know set piece defending, but we've already talked on that a bit. So if you are watching in the stream right now and you have a question, uh, feel free to send it in. Reminder, if you are watching on Twitter, you're not going to be able to send a question in. Join on YouTube or on Facebook uh, to send a question in, uh, and you know we'll happily read it along. And on top of that, if you are watching, please like, subscribe, and share uh, You know, a- as you're watching right now. Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, doesn't matter. Uh, get a, you know, Let's get some more viewers in here, and let's, let's keep talking Minnesota United versus New York Red Bulls for a while. But in the meantime we have a word from our sponsor at Pensomes. So if you are a Minnesota United Twitter, you know who Nate Pence is. He is a diehard Loon supporter. And you know, see, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul, Minneapolis area. And he probably supports various teams and organizations in the Twin City soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, He's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes, and has made them very happy as a result. So just head to PenceHomes.com to get the process started, or email Nate directly at Nate at PenceHomes.com. That's N-A-T-E at P-E-N-T-Z-H-O-M-E-S.com. Also make sure to let them know uh, Jeremy, Eli, or Jacob from Soda Soccer Center. Uh, big thank you to Pence Homes for sponsoring today's show. Uh, back to the comment section, we have... Uh, another comment from Eric Grady, uh, and it's you know it's talking on Luis Amaria and uh, whether or not he is an MLS caliber player, and I think that's 
the spring will be a very telltale story. Um, if the loons can't make goals from him, they're going to need to move on from him. Uh, and, you know, he is the lowest budget DP they have. They're able to buy him down to a TAM player. And as a result, um, on a TAM contract, he is much more movable across the league. If there's interest from a, a, another team to bring him in, um, but there's also, you know, more capability to move him in the summer window if they wanted. Um, Eli, let me get your thoughts on Luis's performance tonight. Yeah, I thought Luis's performance was interesting tonight specifically because I think there was a bit of an evolution from him. And I saw him tracking back a lot more and, and playing in sort of an attacking, not midfield role and not a false nine role, but just, you know, being involved in the buildup. Um, and I, I'd said to Jacob, actually, we, we were talking throughout the game when he came in that, you know, what I thought Amaria could bring to this game was a little bit of hold up, a little bit of build up play. And that, that is to an extent what he brought. Again, this game is also just a weird tactical one because of the snow, because of the field, because of the vibes. All of that is, it makes it an outlier. But that was an interesting note. And in, in, in the, the thing, Eric, once I saw your, your comment there that I was thinking about is, you know, asking, is Amaria an MLS level forward? Probably. Probably he can work in the league, right? But is he the right fit for Minnesota United system? I think that's the, the bigger question here. And then that leads us to the, the secondary question of what does Minnesota United want out of its strikers? Because this is, I, I feel like every season since 2017, we've been talking to some extent about what's the what's the what's the answer to the striker question and the, you know it's gone from uh, uh christian rod you know christian ramirez to angelo to amaria and back again you know so many uh, and uh Abby i went on Lottie twice in the yeah there's just there there have been you know so mason many attempts toy. to answer this and yeah mason toy yeah and and i think you know the the most success we've seen the loons have at striker has been robin lud at the false nine Right. And and obviously the, the tactical system has evolved a little bit, right? There was that, you know, 2020, 2021, like real big counterattack emphasis, right? But you know, Robin Lloyd at the false nine has been the most successful player at striker. Now I, I think that says something about the way Adrian Heath wants to play and oh, the way this player pool wants to play. That the attack needs to be sort of positionless. That it needs to be if it's a four, two, three, one, it's really a four, two, four, and that four is gonna be kind of a like ambiguous blob that's going to have different guys running in different places at different times and play a lot and combine a lot with each other. A lot of dribbling. Obviously that changes without Reynoso a little bit, but, but I think the attack needs to be a little positionless. So what that requires out of a striker is someone who can play all over up there, right? Mender Garcia brings an element of that because he can, he looks pretty comfortable out on the wings. The problem is that he's not really one to drop back and hold up too much. He's going to be the guy pressing the lines, trying to get him behind. That's a fine strategy, but that's not the way that Minnesota United traditionally plays. You look at how to how to work with Kervin Ariaga. You need a nine who can play with his back to goal that Kervin can pass to and run off of. Right? That's a great attacking combo that we see a lot. We saw Kervin try it tonight, um, and and Mender Garcia doesn't bring that. Amaria can bring that to an extent, but again, it's about what he's being asked to do. He's not a guy to really get the ball, hold up, you know, turn and, and create a window for himself to shoot. Right. He's not really an aerial threat. He's not a ton of a get-in-behind guy. He can be in counterattack situations, but that's not what he plays to. And so, again, it's where do the goals come from? Who's the creator here? Amaria is not a creating striker for himself, necessarily. He can create for other guys, hold up a little bit. Um, so, I, I guess, you know, if if you say that what Minnesota United needs at the striker position is somebody who can create, then maybe Luis Amaria isn't the fit. I don't know who is the fit because how many creating strikers are there out there? Um, it, it might be more of a, a tactical and, and team build and attack build question than a, than a Luis Amaria question. But Jacob, I, I want your thoughts here because you're you're plugged in and in, uh, in what the team's been looking at here for retooling the attack. 
you know, in, in they're, I think they're primarily looking at bringing a left wing and a striker at the moment. Uh, they want they want two players. Um, there's rumors. There's a rumored U22 signing uh, I, uh, from South Korea um, that plays uh, in Europe. And you know, whether or not he comes, it's 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 up in the air because he's a very raw talent and his numbers aren't very proven. Um, so you're you know you're banking on a kid to come in and, and change things and. You know, while he totally can, while he could totally come in and be a superstar, you know, right now they need proven numbers. And uh, call me ambitious here, Eli, but um, prior to uh, MLS kicking off today, um, Tom Boger at MLSsoccer.com reported that uh, St. Louis City SC are one of the teams interested in uh, Roberto Firmino's signature this summer uh, after he leaves Liverpool on a free, um, still only 31 years old, uh, do everything you can in Minnesota. You want a creative striker. You want somebody who can uh, drop into a 10 roll and move your 10 forward. You want somebody who can score goals in and around the box. European experience, Champions League, uh, World Cups, you know, he do everything you can. Obviously, St. Louis has the connections. Um, but if, 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 if at all you can make that phone call, that's the kind of player you need. You need, you need to be ambitious in this window. And sometimes, you know, finding that young striker, that 22, 23, 24-year-old superstar, it might not happen at this time and bringing in a proven veteran who can, you know, become a mentor to some of the young guys on the squad while also elevating everybody in that starting 11 might need to be the move. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I think, uh, you know, I look at DC United bringing in someone like Christian Benteke. Um, I think it's a great move for, for him. I think it's a great move for the league. I think Wayne Rooney's got a lot of options. Joao Klaus at St. Louis City SC. Um, it's a real bummer that Chicho Rangel left the league this year to move to Liga Amekis because I think he was a great addition. But, you know, that there's then there's, you know, Enzo Capetti who begged his first goal last week at Charlotte. You know, we're seeing these top strikers come in and Minnesota has struggled so long at finding a consistent goal score. It just feels like, you know, maybe they're maybe maybe they're not looking in the right position, the right player, the right fit. Um, you know, it's um it's it's T B D. We're gonna wait and see. Um, we've got a comment here from Dave Stevens saying the tag hasn't been the same since Kevin Molino left. I think that's a fair shout. Um, but Kevin Molino is still a left wing. He's not solving your goal scoring issue. He's it's more of a career. He more helped create with Reynoso. You know, they played off of each other really well. You still don't have your consistent goal scoring nine, which is the biggest issue. Uh, and Eric asks, is the Korean guy, the striker, the left winger, um, the rumored target right now is, is, is someone who can play at the left wing at the 10 and at center forward, but he's also only 20. So, you know, having a proven position at 20, it's, it's not very common. He'll come into the system and they'll see where he fits best because, you know, it's not like Bongi came in and right away was like, okay, right winger. They tried him on the left. They tried him up top. They tried him on the right. All right, you're on the right. Robin Lode came into Minnesota and he played left for far too long before they moved him to the right. And they're like, oh, okay. That's, that's, that's where you belong. So I think, uh, you know, it's a, it's a waiting game, um, but, you know, I think Minnesota just needs to find their guy, find him soon, and go all in because there, there's no more room for mistakes. Um, Eli, I just want to do a quick wraparound now of, of results from around the league because we've had some pretty uh, pretty impressive results today. Uh, most impressive for me is Atlanta United beating Charlotte uh, 3-0 and 18-year-old uh, Caleb Wiley uh, contributing to all three goals, two goals and an assist. Uh, and his first start for the club. Uh, really impressive. Congratulations, kid. Uh, but Vancouver, Dallas, 1-1. D.C. United, Orlando, 1-1. Uh, and then Cincinnati beating Seattle, 1-0. Uh, Sounders uh, falling. Uh, didn't see it coming. 
uh, Brenner got on the score sheet uh, and, uh, you know, made the magic happen. You know, and that's, that's why he's a $16 million player. That's why he's rumored to be, you know, uh, moving to the Premier League. Um, NYCFC beat Inter Miami 1-0. The Union uh, beat Chicago 1-0. Toronto FC, Columbus 1-1. Uh, Loons, Red, New York Rebels, of course, 1-1. Uh, Nashville SC with an impressive 2-0 result over Montreal. Um, and then uh, SKC and the Galaxy playing to a 0-0 draw. That's a bummer. Uh, I hope to see Alan Polito back with SKC soon. To, uh, SKC soon. Um, he's been gone for a while. We don't really have an update on him. And once Chicharito gets back, I think the Galaxy are going to start cooking too. But as things stand, uh, RSL are down 2-1 to one to Austin in the 90th minute, whereas uh, Portland and St. Louis City are at 1-1, uh, uh, just starting the second half, and then the Earthquakes and the Rapids are at 0-0 at halftime. Uh, just a little rip around the league right there, guys. Um, the Loons are tackling Colorado next, so they'll have eyes on that match for sure. But before we look ahead, I'm going to do a little review of the match today. You know, Lewis Morgan, 20 seconds in. Uh, Nearly stunned Allianz Field. Uh, nearly stunned me. I was watching on my TV and and I was like, I, I just don't understand how he got by all the entire roster, the entire you know ten field players in Minnesota's half to get a shot off within twenty seconds. And then you know the frustrating thing was Morgan was again back uh, threatening in the in the third minute, in the sixth minute, and and in the fifteenth minute. That's four attempts within fifteen minutes. It's not good enough, uh, but. The turnaround came in the 18th minute when Bongi scored, and then you know they got to halftime. But coming out of halftime, it was uh, it's a frustrating goal to concede four minutes uh, into the second half. Uh, and Eli, you want to talk a little bit about the marking on that goal? Uh, I know you were, I know you mentioned it to me, but Ariaga and Valentin, you know, weren't on the same page, and and Reyes just came up big. Yeah, I, I think it's it's one of those those things with soccer uh, that that if you view set pieces and actually a very, you know, like there's a lot of similarity between soccer and basketball, uh, but you can, you can really see that on set pieces with this idea of, of screening people off and, and not just, you know, a lot of soccer is about leveraging space, uh, but set pieces are the rare opportunity where you get to, you know, it sounds weird to say, but you get to leverage bodies and, and, you know, making runs off of people and, and, you know, screening your guy off. And, and that's what happened on this goal. Um, and, and it's just, you know, it's one of those things that you combine that with a slippery pitch and, and that produces a, a clean look at the header. Uh, it, it's you know, it, it's something for it, it's not a novel concept on set piece design. Um, Kevin Ariaga, it's not his first rodeo. He's still a, a tall guy who can mark well. So I, I don't think it 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 creates any sort of long term havoc for Minnesota United. Um, but but it is a lesson of of what teams are trying to do on corners. Um, and and you know it was a, a to raise his credit. It was, like I, I said earlier in the show, it was a great cut. Um, he he got himself to the right spot and got a clean header on it, and, and it produced a goal. It's a great it's a great attacking play uh, that that made the defense scramble, and that's gonna that's gonna produce goals more often than it's not. Yeah, you know, and, and if you're still watching the show, we got a uh, uh, group of you in here right now. Feel free to send us a quick question your way before we head out in the next five minutes. Um, we're gonna wrap up uh, a little early today, folks. Um, you know, it was a snowy evening at Allianz Field. Um, Orange ball watch. It, it wasn't super eventful. Two set piece goals. Um, you know, it was a flurry at the end. Where in the 84th minute, um, uh, Red Bulls had a header go over the bar, and then the 86th minute there was an in swing cross uh, where Vanzier missed the net, missed the target. And then, I mean, in the 93rd minute, I thought Minnesota might have had the winner. I mean, it, what an opportunity that was! It was an amazing block from I believe it was Kyle Duncan uh, in the Thank box from the Red Bulls. Um, I mean. 
that 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 that's that saved them to that saved them point you know new york earned a point right there on that play um and i don't you know i don't, I don't think it's two points dropped from minnesota either. i think they're content with a point uh in these conditions against you know a very competitive opponent who are known for their pressing style and you know i think the loons were a little bit vulnerable today uh, to it but up next you know they've got an opponent where you know i think i think it's three points on the table or you know, or, 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 or it's a miss because the Rapids have had a slow start to their campaign. They aren't banging in goals. They're conceding. Um, they're zero zero at halftime right now, like I said. And uh, I think uh, I think it's an opportunity to take three points on the road and, you know, getting another big road victory would be huge. Uh, Eli, what are your thoughts on uh, Rapids next weekend? Yeah, I think one of the, the big things I'll be watching is actually the pressing you mentioned here. Um, it's something that we've come to expect from New York Red Bulls, that they're going to come in and press. Um, tonight it wasn't successful, actually. Uh, if we look at uh, one of the big stats of, of pressure working, it's takeaways in the opponent's half, right? How many times you're winning the ball on the other side of the halfway line. Uh, the Red Bulls took it off the Loons one time in the Loons half. The Loons took it off the Red Bulls four times in the Red Bulls half. Minnesota United was actually uh, the far more aggressive and far more effective pressing team tonight. So that's what I'm watching uh, next week against the Rapids is what that evolution looks like. Again, you know, I'm, I'm always intrigued by by seeing how Adrian Heath is changing up the game plan from year to year. We look at how counterattacky it was a couple years ago. Last year, uh, I felt like the identity piece really struggled here. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if it's going to be pressure this year. Again, I talked about it earlier with with getting up on, on that throw-in and Valentin, you know, this was an established thing. There was a signal for this uh, that they had worked out on the field. That's what I'm going to be paying attention to next week to see how the personnel looks there, see see what the attacking synergy looks like uh, going forward because I think I think pressure is going to be a really key part of this game plan. And, and that's an easy way for a team that maybe doesn't have the best player quality. We're talking about, you know, missing out on Manuel Reynoso, who is not particularly prone to effective pressure. Perhaps, you, you know, you can sort of actually leverage his absence by bringing in a little bit more willing defender on that part of the pitch and, and sort of compromise what uh, opposing teams are able to do on the ball in their own half. And again, if, if you only win the ball three or four times a half or three or four times a game in the opponent's half, that can still add up. That can still create significant opportunities. So uh, we'll look to see if that pays off for the Loons next week against Colorado. And after that, they will return home uh, at Alliansfield to host the Vancouver Whitecaps in a Western Conference clash. And in the following weekend, they will take on St. Louis City SC on the road in the two clubs' first ever meeting. Um, Soda Soccer might have some fun news regarding that match, so stay tuned. Um, be sure to subscribe, like, and uh, join the Patreon here at Soda Soccer so we can continue bringing content like this. Uh, you know, it means the world to us if you are able to support our work. Uh, you know, whether it's $3 a month, whether it's $5, $10 a month, it does not matter what you contribute. Um, just just being a contributor and supporting our work means the world to us. Um, so before we head out, uh, I just want to say thanks again. Thanks to our sponsor, uh, Nick Pence Homes. And uh, thank you to my colleague, Eli Hoff, for joining me on tonight's Post Loons. Eli, any final thoughts uh, on today, you know, on MLS, on uh, Bongi Dino before we head out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a performance to build on. We're still figuring out what this what this Minnesota United team looks like. There is still the Reynoso question mark. There's still players who could be coming in here. Um, so early on, you know, I think you look at four points from these first two games. That's a that's a moral victory there for sure. Uh, probably more than a lot of folks were expecting. So it's a strong start. Uh, looking competitive in both games. Uh, the defense has, has been pretty sound. Dane St. Clair, we haven't really we didn't talk too much about him tonight, but he put in an excellent shift back there. Um, you know, the distribution is something to watch. The attacking synergy and personnel is something to watch. Uh, but there's also exciting new developments with some of that attacking pressure. So I think a lot of reason to be optimistic from these first two games, and, and we'll see how that builds with, you know, 
getting more consistent matches and not this play a game, rest two weeks, and then come back and see what you got. And no more snow games, maybe. Well, I, don't, I haven't looked at the Hopefully. Denver forecast for next week, but we'll see. We'll <laughs> yeah, see. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, wouldn't that be something? Two back-to-back oh, snow gosh. games. Oh, gosh. All right, guys. We're, all right, folks. We are officially on Orange Ball Watch as we head into week four of the MLS season because the Loons had a bye week in week two. Um, thanks again for joining. Uh, I'm Jacob Schneider. I'm joined tonight by Eli Hoff. Uh, Thanks again. Uh, Have a great night, everybody, and thanks for tuning in.